thank you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, Lord, because you're the Lord over this house. You're the King over our hearts. Jesus, without you, we are nothing. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your unfailing love that ransomed us at the cross. Thank you, our Father, for drawing your Son to us and redeeming us from every curse and allowing us the privilege to be your son and to be your daughter. Thank you for giving us the privilege that we can carry your Holy Spirit and your presence. We don't take it for granted, Lord. Help us today to become more in your image and more walking with you in truth. Thank you for being a friend to us. Thank you for loving us like no other. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy that allows us to approach you with boldness and confidence. We thank you, Jesus. All the honor belongs to you. We thank you for everything you've done in our hearts and in the realm of the Spirit. We worship you, Jesus. You are the head over this place. You're the lover of our soul. And we thank you for everything you've done and for everything you're going to do. I pray, Lord, that you humble us more to become more committed and dedicated to you where we can live a life of surrender to you. Amen. Amen. How are we all today? How are we all today? Thank you, Jesus. We ready for today? Yes, ready? We've been enjoying the series of wisdom. Wisdom is the most, one of the most powerful principles in the Bible. Amen. Very powerful. But can I ask in a nutshell, can I ask in a nutshell, how do you, from hearing the last two series about wisdom, and this is the third one, in a nutshell, how do you perceive wisdom? There's one thing that echoes when you hear the last two series of wisdoms and this one here. How do you perceive it? What, what comes to your heart from the teaching of wisdom that came uh, to you the last two weeks and this being the third? What came to you? What, come, what comes to you when hearing... When hearing we, know, we know faith comes from hearing the word about Christ. But wisdom, how do you perceive that? For the last two weeks, what, what really entered your spirit regarding the wisdom of God? The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. But they forget about the word grew. <laughs> 
Jesus grew. What does that show you? What does that show you? Something that something that you grow into, what, what does that really sh- share with you? What does that show you in your heart? I'm asking you. Something that you grow into, what does it really uh, reflect or speak about in your journey? Something that you grow into, wh- wh- where's your focus? I just spoke one hour about it. Love, loving the process, change, change. When you hear about the wisdom of God, your main focus is to actually change. So, uh, So thank you for coming. What I've been sharing about, what I've been... Um, girls, you've got to go to the back. If you're going to talk, go to the back. <clears throat> so hearing about the wisdom of God the last two weeks, it's interesting how the Lord allowed me to counterfeit it to show you the opposite of how we how that demonic wisdom unfortunately that is worldly and sensual um, has been adapted into our life and how the wisdom of God comes first into your life to actually counterfeit or to attack it you learn how the Holy Spirit showed you different traits and different characters of how um, the demonic wisdom is against God's wisdom. So today we're going to look at the third principle. Does anyone know what it is? Does anyone know what the third principle that I'm going to speak about today is? It's on there. Just seeing if everyone's awake. <clears throat> so we we'll go to James chapter 3 verse 13 to 18. Go to oh. <clears throat> so James chapter three verse thirteen to eighteen and my last two sessions have been based upon how to walk in the wisdom of God. Are we learning, everyone? Surely you have to be learning. This is actually how to actually walk with Christ. Your main focus, your main focus and your goal is to actually uh, walk in the same wisdom as Jesus did. So who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by the good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So we established the last two weeks 
that the doorway to wisdom is humility. Uh, next one. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, the two enemies of our flesh, are these two here and the other two that were just read, they've destroyed Christianity today, the self-seeking. Confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, I shared a little treasure of when uh, David went to defeat Goliath, that he had seven, seven tools with him that struck, David, that struck Goliath. And we established, or the Holy Spirit showed me, that what, what allowed Goliath to come crumbling down, the carnal mind, he struck him here, the carnal mind, the giant of the carnal mind, were the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit shared that with me. And it was very powerful to understand that what allowed the Goliath, the flesh, the carnal man, to be destroyed is the wisdom of God because it's heavenly. It comes from Him. Goliath's wisdom comes from the world. It's sensual, it's demonic. So this is, a, this is a healthy foundation for Christians to be built in today, to walk in the proper wisdom of God. And today we're going to unlock every scripture that shows us how to walk in the gentle wisdom of God. But like you know, I've been going the other way around. So I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak today, what's the opposite of gentleness? And it doesn't mean just patting people and, wow, you're so gentle. It's a bit, it's a bit deeper than that. <laughs> so, I'm going to have a go at it. So the word gentle from the Greek, 1933. So the, so the word gentle from the Greek, 1933, for the ones who are following, is ipakas. Yes, ipakas. It's good? You don't know. Ipakas. Ipikias. Ipikias. Something like that. <laughs> I ask her every week and she covers her face, but she sits at the front every week. <laughs> Um, so, the first word that defines from gentle, are we ready? The first word that defines from gentle, from the Esau and the Thaya dictionary, is mild. The word mild. Okay? So, just pay attention, please. So, the opposite of being mild, are we ready? So last week, everyone's um, messaged me. Were you speaking to me? I think we speak to everyone here, including myself. <laughs> Let's be humble. 
the opposite of um, so the opposite of uh, the opposite of being mild. Are we ready? The opposite of being mild is being harsh. So we're going to break down this word properly before I go into the meat. We're going to get a good idea if you're operating in the gentle, into gentleness of the Spirit, which is a fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> so it shows you it is a fruit of the Spirit, it shows you that it comes from the Holy Spirit. How? By you just asking, no, as you yield with Him, as you cooperate with Him. So the opposite of mild is being harsh. Are we ready now? Please. Don't rip your clothes just yet, but just pay attention, please. Because I thank the Lord Jesus that He's allowed us to get into this teaching to really, really show us what's happening in our hearts. Right? Mm. So if I'm looking at anyone, it doesn't mean I'm picking or can see something. I'm just trying to. So harsh or being so the word harshness or harsh produces the following. Pay attention now. This is the solid food for this one here. And I think Anton's been posting them on our page, right? Yeah, okay. So this is how I came with the teaching. So the first word that defines from gentle is mild. It means being harsh. And harsh produces the following. Number one, unmerciful. So for a person who struggles to be merc merciful towards others, to let go of their wrongdoing or their actions, whether it be husband or wife, children, cousins, relatives, workplace, whatever it is, enemies, the truth is that you're operating in the gentleness of Christ, which is being a harsh person. Now, this is a condition of the heart. Nothing else but the heart. For the last seven years I've been preaching, I can't move from the heart. Above all else, God what? Everything you do flows from it. Everything's from the heart. So a person who is harsh produces the following. Unmerciful. Are you ready for number two? You ready? Can someone get my hot hat from the car? <laughs> <laughs> the next, the next um, character that it produces of someone who's harsh, they have a hard heart. Wow. So the first one is an unmerciful person, a person who has, who, is, who has a hard heart. What does it mean to have a hard heart? Anyone here? Rebellion. Produces rebellion? Correct. What else? Uh, one at a time, please. I can't hear you. You don't listen to anyone? Yes, amen. Spiritually deaf? Pride. Pride. Good. 
and belief. This, this all stems from a hard heart, which stems from being harsh, which stems from lacking the gentleness of Christ, which is lacking wisdom. Anyone else? I can't hear you, sorry. Stubborn? Very good. These are all those ones that I have. Anyone else? What's that, sorry? Blind? Good. All right. So that's just two. There's probably another 12 or 13 of them. I'm just showing you one word. There's four of them. There's four words of gentleness that comes from the Greek. Is this an eye-opener, someone? Because here, your heart's rolling out. Your whole heart's rolling out to show you all those things you've been doing. The Holy Spirit's pinpointing what, or diagnosing the real issue. Can I ask something? <laughs> I've been sharing every single week. Some may say you're hearing the same message, but it's actually what God wants. To produce wisdom in you, he has to undo the demonic wisdom. And demonic wisdom is being unmerciful. That's a demonic wisdom. Because the cross means nothing to you then. Because what you receive at the cross, you're meant to be merciful to others at, at, at every cost. Having a hard heart, you can never be taught by the Holy Spirit. In a nutshell, I'll give it to you. Why so many people do not hear the Holy Spirit and cannot be taught by the Holy Spirit is because they have a hard heart. Think about that. Some, some people, and they, a lot of people ask me, why do I struggle to hear the Holy Spirit in my life? This is one area. Why? You can't. Does the Holy Spirit want to speak to everyone? Certainly. But I'm just diagnosing the real issue. Some may say it's sin. It's not sin. It's deeper than you think. So having a hard heart, having a hard heart will struggle to surrender. Having a hard heart is prone to complaining, is prone to disappointment, is prone to grumbling and mumbling, and the list goes on. What does the Holy Spirit say? As the Holy Spirit says, do not harden what? But the Holy Spirit only speaks to your heart. Are you applying everything to your own heart? Think about that. The Holy Spirit is interested in one place but your heart. The enemy is fighting for that area as well. And isn't it interesting in Christianity today how we, how we can have hard hearts is when people fail us inside the church or in the body of Christ. We begin to think everyone else is like that. We put walls up. We have to trust and love each other at, at every cost. And I haven't, I haven't released fully yet about the love of God that the Holy Spirit taught me. So the next one, are we ready? The first one was unmerciful. This is the opposite. And if you do tick these boxes, unfortunately the truth is you're lacking wisdom. Because wisdom deals with this. Right? Good. The third one, 
bitterness. So, so what, are, what are characteristics and fruits and traits of bitterness? Anyone? What's that? Hate? Hate? Envy? Envy? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness? Yeah, we can go with that. Bitterness. Anyone else? I can't hear, sorry. Very good. Not being content. That one probably ticks the box. Complaining. Not being content ticks the box. Because your contentment is Christ alone. Now just take a step back now. Is Jesus Christ enough for you? That's it. Because nothing can begin until Christ is enough for you. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased with. Listen to him. He must be enough. If you're, seeking, if you're seeking the blessings and the attributes of God, you're in a dangerous place. It's Christ alone and him crucified. So you begin, don't nod your head say yes. You take that and go to the Lord. Because I'll tell you something, this is a work in progress we're all um, on the way to. That Christ alone is our satisfaction. So someone says, Lord, I want you to be my satisfaction. Then he starts to strip things from you. No, Lord, no, Lord, why is this happening to me, Lord? But you asked him, Can I, I want you to be my only satisfaction. So he shows you all the false idols and all the false attachments that you were connected to that are not him. So he starts to purge and refine and cleanse that circle. No, Lord, why is this happening to me? Why is all these things taken away from me? But you asked him, I want you to be the only one for me. Be careful how you choose your words. I'll speak what I, how I approach the Lord now. I changed my approach many years ago. Prepare me, Lord. Just prepare me, Lord. Prepare me so I can walk with you in the level you want me to. I'll change my thing. Prepare me, Lord. Give me the grace and prepare me. So, number one, unmerciful. Number two, hard heart. Number three, bitterness. Number four, comfortless. You struggle. You struggle with being comforted and you will not be able to comfort anyone else. This is when you're operating in harshness. Are we getting this, someone? When you're harsh, you cannot comfort yourself because you're very harsh on yourself. You cannot receive it on God, from God and you will be harsh on others all around you. Just think about this, please. Number four, suppressive. Oh, we're getting a bit, uh, we're rattling the cage now. What does it mean to be suppressive? Anyone here? What does it mean to suppress someone? So, so, what does it mean to suppress someone? Control? 
Control. Dismissive. Yeah. Holding them back. Good. We're getting deeper now. Holding, holding back someone. What else? What does, it mean to, what does it mean to be submissive? Where does submissiveness come from? So does someone, just, does someone just come harsh overnight? Why would someone be submissive? Because of what? Starts with F. Fear. Fear. Someone becomes controlling, choking, begins to withhold someone back because of the fear. Can we understand someone? Because, yeah, now we're starting to click it all together. Because of the fear, the fear of the unknown, fear of previous failures to future failures, you start to see why someone is so controlling. Okay. The next one is uh, severe. What does it mean to be severe? Anyone? Severe. What does it mean to be severe? Harsh? Yes? Part of the definition. What does it mean to, to be severe? Anyone? Come on, someone has to have a go at this. Extreme? Uh, I can't hear, sorry. Dramatic? In which way dramatic? So dramatic in which way? Judgmental? Dramatic, emotional? What else? Rational? Outbursts? Outrageous? Anyone else? I'll keep going. The next one is cruel. This is, all, this is all because someone is unfortunately lacking wisdom in their life. And they weren't designed, you weren't designed to lack wisdom in your life. See, when Jesus grew in wisdom, this is how he grew. Are we understanding? You can't claim to be a Christian and do all these things because it's an internal thing that has to be changed in our hearts. So, so, so many people, they come to me, and why, why are you attacking all these areas? Because that's what Christ wants to produce in our lives. Because that's what he produced on earth, and how he walked. So, the next definition for harsh is being unkind. The next one, the next definition for harsh, which is the opposite of gentleness, is being barren. What does it mean to be barren? Empty, not producing fruit. Next one's ruthless. What does it mean to be ruthless? Come on, say something. Someone. 
What's that? Careless, good. Careless. Out of control. So when, when Matthew said careless, careless of what? Careless of your walk? Careless of God's word? Careless of others? What else? What's that? Reckless. Reckless. The next word is un unsympathetic. Unsympathetic. What does that mean? What, what does it mean to be unsympathetic? Lack of compassion. Hard heart. You see that? Inconsiderate. Amen. You see that? You see the, you see the wisdom of this world? It tells you to live like that. Focus on yourself, build yourself up, where the Bible says, look at the interests of others. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. You begin to see here. The next one is heartless. What does it mean to be heartless? Lack of empathy. Lack of empathy. Lack of love, good. Say something. Numb. Okay, next one. Uncompromising. So a person who doesn't know how to compromise. Stubborn. Not teachable. What else? Everyone's quiet now. The next one, the big one. Well, there's two of them that are really big here. Rude. Rude. Being rude. Under no circumstance, this is for all of us here, can we be rude to anyone? funny when we went we went to dinner a long time ago I was sitting with a Christian and they were so rude to the waiter yeah they're so respectful to everyone here and everywhere at their place yeah they were so rude to a waiter they belittled them because they forgot a piece of pasta or something <laughs> this is all the opposite of wisdom. This is a demonic wisdom, unfortunately. These are all traits that many of us here are ticking, and it's the truth. It's not normal for you to carry these things. It actually gives birth to the kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of light. So the next one is the biggest one in the church today. Are you ready to hear? Are you ready to hear? The next one is the biggest one that's hidden in the church today. And he hides behind truth. He hides behind hypocrisy. You know what it is? Dishonoring. We are so good at dishonoring each other. And I haven't released myself to preach about this yet. But 
I've seen so many traces of that in people today. We are so good at dishonoring each other rather than honoring each other. We are so good at picking faults rather than picking people's good values in people. You know I get attacked every week from the body of Christ? Yeah, I just keep going. It doesn't bother me. Because I know I'm true to the Lord. And what you see here, by God's grace, is what I am at home. What I am in public. But you know what's sad? Is that we can dishonor each other and hurt each other which is Christ you're really hurting. You know, the only, you know, the only, the only thing that God allowed to honor each other is the body of Christ. The world's not going to encourage you. We only have each other here to encourage. The world's going to spit you out and laugh at you. But we as Christians only have each other to have our backs and to honor each other. And you know when you're harsh, I'll say in a different way, when you're harsh and you're dishonoring someone, guess what you try to do? You try to catch them out or trap them. You know how many people try to trap me and catch me out in my teaching, in the way that I operate? It shows, not the way I'm walking, it shows the heart. The issue is the heart. If you're harsh with yourself, if you're bitter with yourself, then you're going to destroy others around you. So one of the biggest hidden traits and characters of a demonic wisdom that's hidden in the churches today is dishonor. I can pick 70, 80 people in the ministry who have dishonored me, then write five on my hand who have honored me. And I'm not saying to, to make you feel sad. I'm just showing where our hearts have become or what our hearts have not been transformed yet. I can pick hand, fingers on how many people have honored and had each other's back than the 70, the 80, the 100 to the 1,000 who have dishonored. And it's sad because we as Christians were designed to honor each other and to build each other up, not to tear anyone down. It's sad. It's sad what Christianity has become. You can do a thousand good things, yet catch someone for something small. But if you carry wisdom, what do you carry? You carry a gentle spirit. You won't function like that anymore. So dishonoring. The next one, naturally. I'll speak about this one, then I'll continue. Naturally, when you're harsh, you become inhospitable. Naturally, when you're harsh, you become inhospitable. Which means standoffish. You're standoffish. You become unwelcoming. You become unfriendly. You become unsociable. You become cold. You become empty. 
you become lonely, you become ungenerous. That's from that one word. Now pay attention, please. When you're inhospitable, you become standoffish. You become unwelcoming. You become unfriendly. You become unsociable. You become cold. You become lonely. You become empty. And this one is the biggest one. You become ungenerous. All from the word harsh. Look, the, the main goal from this teaching here is for you to see the difference between demonic wisdom, which is gentleness, and, uh, and sorry, the demonic wisdom against the gentleness of the spirit. So the main goal is to see them defer, to see which one you have been feeding and which one you've been operating in. <coughs> Mild defines as not severe, not serious, or harsh. There are three meanings here for the word mild. It means to be lenient. What does it mean to be lenient with people? To be lenient, what does that mean for you? To be lenient. To be fair, yes. Show mercy, good. Honest. To be lenient, I'll go with what Enoch was saying. To show mercy. Show mercy for what? What are you showing mercy against? What are you showing mercy against? Injustice. So let me tell you something. Gentleness has an opposition. Everyone can be gentle when everything's good with others. But God measures, God measures your gentleness of the spirit when you're in opposition. When you have the right to hold them accountable for it or to show them mercy. God measures gentleness when you're in opposition, when you're in a hard situation. Does that make sense, everyone? Let's go to Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Okay, let's read this here. I think we've read this many times, but let's read this here. Isn't that interesting here? Again, he says seven times. Are we scratching something here? Are we scratching something here? Well, how many pillars does wisdom have? Seven pillars. Mm. Little treasure for you here. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall brother, my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus said, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 77 times. Up, up to seven, 70 times, sorry. Yeah, okay. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold 
with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. Isn't that interesting? That being harsh lacks compassion. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that he had been, what he had done, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant! Now just take a step back here. He called him a wicked servant because he lacked what? Compassion. You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. What is a trespass? What is a trespass? It means crossing the line. When someone's crossed the line, done something wrong by you, they've crossed the line. That's what it means to trespass against someone. To cross that boundary. What do you do when someone crosses that boundary in your life? The same you receive from Jesus, the same you have to give it to others. That's how wisdom is applied more into your life. That's what the Bible says in the wisdom of God. Um, he says the wisdom of God is to overlook an offense. So when someone offenses, offends you, you have wisdom to overlook it. You don't let it grip you, you don't let it control you. So the next one here. Mild means unassuming. So... Mild means unassuming. Unassuming, which means unpretentious, means genuine, innocent, honest, straightforward, simple, unworldly, trustful, unpretending, unguarded, unforced, and direct. 
so you look at the pattern here now with the word mild means to be a genuine person means to be innocent in everything that you do means to be honest straightforward unworldly trustful not pretending unguarded you know what it means to be unguarded that you have no boundaries anymore whether people take advantage of you or whether people love you you stay the same you stay the same I love when people come up to me and they tell me you know like you can love everyone but don't trust everyone but the Bible says that the perfect love of God remembers no wrong yes we have healthy boundaries in our life but true forgiveness means to trust again just think about that because when you trust again you've truly forgiven you leave the Bible says leave the wrath to God it's not up to you we are to love without boundaries you are to open your heart you are to open your circle you are to open your house to everyone as Christians that's the hospitality that we are to show so a person who's unguarded by God's grace he hasn't been dealt harsh harshness or is not operating in harshness what does it mean unpretentious means to be unforced what does it mean to be unforced meaning what you're doing now for Christ is not forced it's out of a natural obligation because you love him and you want to serve him so we go to the second one this is a bit different but it speaks truth mostly to the body please be patient here the second word from gentle means to be fair and equitable it defines as being unbiased means being fair-minded without fear or favor I want you to pay attention to this one the second word from gentle means to be fair and equitable it defines as being unbiased means being fair-minded without fear or favor when you speak the truth to certain people you may lose favor with them so many people change their approach that twist God's word on the basis of keeping favor with people this is number one number two so I'll repeat that out again please when you speak the truth to certain people you may lose favor with them so many people choose their approach that twist God's word on the basis on keeping favor with people this hides in the church today let me read the second one when you speak truth to certain people you may fear their reaction or fear losing them from your life so the standard of God's word is lowered because of fear and you become unfair to God and his word this is the this is the the opposite of God's wisdom how does that sound for you how true is that in the church today (coughs) 
So being fair and equitable shows you the character that God's looking for. He's looking for trustworthy people. Are you a trustworthy people? Are you a trustworthy people? Are you honorable without favoritism? Without discrimination? Free from self-interest? God is looking for such people like this. The third word from gentle is suitable. Suitable means to be qualified. What does it mean to be qualified, someone here? To get a qualification, what do you need to do? Study. What else? Tested. Good. You'll be tested. That's how God proves if you're genuine or not, or you're trustworthy or not. See, God can love you, but it doesn't mean you're trustworthy. You can miss out on the work of God that is prepared before the foundation of the universe. You can miss out on that. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? That God loves you, but he won't give you responsibility. How do you feel about that? Forget me now, put me out of the picture. How do you think about that? Where your devotion is the world, or your devotion is self-interest, you miss out on the greatest call of God in your life. We are on borrowed time. Yes, we are on borrowed time. We've been possessed by Christ. He paid the ultimate ransom for us. We're his possession now. You're not your own. The Bible says you've been bought at a price. How do you feel that, you, that he loves you but you're not trustworthy? He, he loves you but you're, still free, you're not free from self-interest. So the word suitable means to be capable, to be qualified, capable, trained, experienced, accomplished, and expert, and ready, and fit. Now, let's go to the scripture. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. We're still awake here? I think if I was preaching blessings and all that, everyone would be standing and clapping. (laughs) This is what brings the true blessings to your life. I hope you understand this. Look at what what it says here. No. Not this one. That's the other one. That's the other one. That's a bomb, that one. That scripture is a bomb. So these are the ones that I added. Sweet? Okay. It's the NIV, yeah? NIV? So you took, how many photos of Monos you took? So look at this here. Okay, I'm going to explain this statement here about the Lord is near. Now this here, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. 
this is the wisdom that, we, that we're preaching about today. That one of the characters of wisdom, one of the principles of wisdom is gentleness. It says here, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Now why does it say here, the Lord is near? Why would he say that? Why would he say here, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near? You know what that means? It means he's ready to bless you according to your obedience. That if you choose to operate in gentleness in the way that the scripture tells you, the Lord is near to come himself and his blessings with him. That's what it means in the Greek. It means that his blessings are ready. But that's based on your obedience with him. So we keep going. Oh, so we'll leave that out. It's all right. Leave it out. We've got plenty of scriptures. Go to Matthew eleven twenty nine. So there's a lot of scriptures I'm going to go through now. Just please be um, patient with me. Matthew 11, chapter 29. Look what it says here. <clears throat> Take my yoke upon you, and what? Learn. What is gentleness? It's something that you learn from Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't it interesting that rest is based on the gentleness of Christ? Isn't it interesting that learning from Him is based on two, the gentleness of Christ and the humility? And what does it promise you? Christianity today is striving for something. You know what it's striving for? Rest, rest. The greatest victory that one Christian can walk in is rest for their soul. We agree with that? There's nothing more rewarding than having rest in your life. We agree with that? Rest is the greatest satisfaction of the cross. It is. Rest is the greatest satisfaction of the cross. Having rest is, is the most beautiful thing that you can walk in. Isn't that true? Rest produces peace. It's the most beautiful thing you can actually receive from the Lord. But isn't it interesting that gentleness and humility is something that's learned from Him? We go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. How do you look at Jesus? When Jesus wants to deal with you, how do you perceive Him to be? The scripture tells you here that he deals with you gently. So let's read it here. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He is able to deal what? Gently. With those who are ignorant and are going astray. Now look at that. People who are ignorant and are going astray 
Jesus being the ultimate gentleness of when he walked this earth, dealed with them this way. Look at that. He deals with those who were ignorant and gone astray with the spirit of gentleness. Doesn't that show you how blessed you are when Jesus begins to deal with you? He doesn't deal with you like a hard taskmaster. He deals with you with the absolute gentleness. Because that's the only thing that love births. That's the only thing that births change. Is that when Jesus is gentle with you, it means he cares for you. He's not hard on you. He's not trying to correct the behavior. He's trying to change your heart. And love does that. He says here, since he himself is subject to weakness, this is why he had to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. So we'll stop there. The next scripture, go to Proverbs 15, chapter 1, in the NIV version. Now look what it says here. This is the wisdom of being gentle. Look what it says here. We have the right, we have the right, and we have the power to turn away evil and wrath from our life. And that's based on our response. Now look at this here. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't it interesting that a gentle answer and a harsh, a harsh heart stirs up anger, a gentle answer brings healing to a conversation, to people, and restores them. Isn't it interesting? how we are to actually operate. And what produces anger today? One word, having a harsh heart. So, by the grace of God, we have the solution in our hands to bring healing or to bring anger. There's no need for a reaction anymore. We have the right to cause healing. We go to the next scripture. Proverbs 15.4. Look what it says here. This is in the, in the New Living Translation. But it says a, sooth a soothing word, but they all come from the word gentle. So gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Not interesting. So here I wrote, gentle words build up and encourage, but a deceitful tongue crushes others with feelings of being overwhelmed and depressed. Proverbs 
in the in the amplified. Okay. Now look at this here. It says, by patience and a calm spirit, a ruler may be persuaded, and the soft and a gentle tongue breaks the bone of resistance. Isn't that a powerful scripture? <coughs> it shows you here, it shows you here that the difference between a reaction and a response, a difference between a reaction and a response, when we respond, when we respond in a gentle spirit, guess what happens? It breaks the bone of resistance. So here you begin to see a picture of a person who reacts and a person who responds through God's word. And I wrote here in, this, in here, it says, Are you a person who responds or reacts? God has shown us how we get results by teaching others, not intimidating others. First Peter chapter three verse four in the Amplified. Now this is something that God values and is very dear is very dear to him. Look at this here. It says, But let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and a peaceful spirit. One that is calm and self controlled, not over anxious but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. So what's precious in the sight of God? When, pers when a person walks in a gentle and a peaceful spirit, it's much precious in the sight of God. Are we understanding? Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. So as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with a good temper. So the, the true test of all these characteristics of the Spirit only is tested when injustice or unpleasantness comes and you have the grace to bear it still. We go to... Psalms 18, verse 35. This is one of King David's secrets of why he became such a successful man with God. You want to see? King David became such a mighty and successful man with God on the basis of this. Now, we can very easily miss it. A lot of people say he was a man of true repentance. But what made him great was it repentance? It was something bigger than this. Now look at this, hidden and inscripted in the word. It says, you have also given me the shield of your salvation. 
Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me. Wow. Isn't that interesting? The greatest shield is when you operate in the spirit of gentleness. It makes you great. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse six to seven. Now, let's read this here. It says, First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. It shows you the heart that Paul had for the Thessalonian church. He came with them like it was his own family. And what caused him to be like that was the gentleness of Christ. We go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 3. Now, I, I know I'm reading all these scriptures, but that's just to cover this topic and for us to get a blueprint of what is the true gentleness of Christ. Now, it says here, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay, so here God shows us that the greatest place that is worthy of our calling is to actually operate in the spirit of gentleness. To really, really focus on this area in our hearts. First Timothy chapter six verse eleven. It says here, First Timothy chapter six verse eleven. It says, "But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness." So it shows you how important it is that we are to focus on this character, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 to 26.
Now, this is a powerful scripture, a very powerful scripture, because it shows you the difference between trying to win an argument and trying to win a soul. It's very different. A lot of religious people have, have gotten caught up into this, where God shows them that the gentleness or the fruit of the Spirit, which is gentleness, is designed to win a soul, not to win an argument. And we can get a lot from this, because today we're so good at trying to win arguments, but God sees the preaching of the gospel is designed to win souls. Think about that. It shows you that through gentleness, God will grant them the grace to actually repent. But if you're harsh and trying to win arguments and trying to separate yourself from whatever denomination you claim to be, all you're doing is trying to win an argument. Where God wants you to actually win a soul. So, so operating in the lack of wisdom in this area shows you the pride that's inside of this. So many people today are trying to win an argument and not worried about the soul if they're going to get changed or transformed or they're going to come to the Lord. How do you feel about that? When people come to you trying to catch you out and we are to be so gentle on one major rule to see those people come to the Lord. And today religion has been very sad. The Bible says the one who's wise, he, he wins souls. But today we've become a people that want to win arguments. So let's read it here. It says, in humility, in humility, correct those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now, now you begin to see here. Uh, we'll go to the next scripture. That, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. So you, it shows you how important we have to value souls. Not to get caught up into that place where we try to win arguments through the word of God. Our goal is to win souls. And if we are gentle with people, we'll meet them where they are. We'll meet them where they are so we can actually help them repent. But you know we can spoil it from our own hands when we don't deal with them with gentleness. And that's Christianity in a nutshell today. Many have become a people that try to win arguments where their souls are not converted and they haven't repented and come to Christ. We've achieved nothing. So I share with you today about this here. Wisdom is very powerful when you begin to operate with Christ in this way. It really is. And your whole life is transformed when you operate in wisdom. Because you become so sensitive with the Holy Spirit to understand that you shouldn't hurt anyone. And it shows you how much scripture people have hid behind to actually cover their behavior that is not right. Do we understand? So, we're going to pray now.
I think I gave you a lot of scripture. I want to encourage you that this is a teaching to establish you in the wisdom of God. This is a teaching for everyone here. This is a teaching to establish you in the wisdom of God. This is a foundation that God wants to erect to make you a healthy follower of Christ. You know, I ask questions at times. What are God's people actually looking for? What are we actually looking for but to erect the right foundation? I just ask this humbly from you in your heart. What are you actually looking for other than to erect the true wisdom of God in your life? You begin to see the value of why God asked you, or what the book of James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You see the value of wisdom. Wisdom is something that will allow you to go all the way for Christ. Very productive and very strong and very effective. Today, Jesus wants people who are effective, who are fruitful, who have that tenderness of why Jesus came on earth. Jesus came on earth to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to win arguments. He didn't come to be harsh. He didn't come to hide behind all these things. He, beca he came to be true. And isn't it interesting <clears throat> that he said that the one that when he came to seek and save the lost shows you how sensitive we are to the Holy Spirit. You know, I ask Christians today, when's the last time you actually saved a soul? When's the last time you brought someone to the Lord? We should be a people who don't even need to speak where people can see the Christ in Him. Bible says the one who doesn't gather with me scatters and the true wisdom of God was what? the one who's wise he wins souls and isn't it interesting that gentleness is the doorway that will lead people to Christ because if, you, if you're gentle with them you're only looking at one result to see them come to Christ you won't burn the bridge. You won't allow anything to actually destroy that moment of them coming to Christ. You will do everything in humility and in the gentleness of Christ to actually bear with them so they can get saved. Isn't that true? Paul said to the Jew, I became a Jew. To the one under the law, I became under the law. He learned that wisdom. To the one who was in sin, he learned to be sin. He came to their level. 
He came to the level to save as much as he can. You understand that? So I share with you today, this is a foundational teaching. This is to erect the right foundation in your life, but to also expose the false foundation, the <coughs> demonic wisdom. And being harsh, like I said, you saw the pattern, being unmerciful, being bitter. It's, very, uh, uh, it's a very sad place for someone to be there. But Christ wants to restore us. So I encourage you today, by God's grace, to really dig deep and to focus on this area in your heart. Because we are called, we are more than conquerors for the one who loved us and gave his life for us. Yeah, but how can we conquer if we don't operate in the true wisdom of God? So I encourage you all today to open your hearts for the Lord. Because this teaching is, is a beautiful teaching, but it's a very direct teaching. You can lean towards the demonic wisdom or God's wisdom. So I encourage you today to put it all into practice, what was said. And to really begin to move forward with the Lord. Because your destiny is to win souls. If you're not winning souls now, it's okay. But your destiny is to win souls. Because when you've worked on that issues that are inside because of the lack of wisdom, God will make you a person to win souls. Because ultimately God called you not just to save you, but to save others also. And wisdom produces that. The one who is wise, he wins souls. So ultimately, the level of wisdom where we're going is to win souls. So yes, God is working on our hearts, but there is things that he wants from us also. So open your hearts. Like I said, the Holy Spirit showed me that I'm praying on people. Don't be ashamed when you come up that have given up, that have given into sin, that have <coughs> swayed into the world. People who have lost hope in this area, I'd like to pray for you. Anyone who's sick, I'll pray for them. But we're here for each other. And I'll wait on the Holy Spirit to see where he takes me. But the ones who have swayed and gone into the world, the ones who uh, feel like they're guilty and unworthy or they're condemned and they've slipped away, unfortunately, we are here as brothers and sisters to help you. It's not meant to be like this. If you feel like you're trapped, we'll help you. The Holy Spirit will take you out. Okay? So open your hands. Holy Spirit's here. We thank you, Jesus. Your word is life to us, Lord. Your word, your word is truth to us. Thank you. Thank you for the word. 
which has been implanted in our soul, which can save our life. I pray, Lord, that it's implanted in every heart today. Lord Jesus, I pray for them today, that they may focus on the right things that you want them to focus on. I thank you, Lord, that they choose to walk in the path of wisdom. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Thank you for your word concerning us. Thank you. We worship you today. We worship you today. I pray, Lord, for one of the fruits of the Spirit, gentleness, to be at operation in our lives, operation in our walk, so we can fulfill our destiny in this life. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is bringing you onto a foundation where He wants you to grow, where He really wants you to knuckle down and get this imprinted in your soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Before the supernatural, focus on this area because it's the true wisdom of God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for everything. I'm just going to wait on the Holy Spirit to see if there's anything else He would like to do with the people. You're free to do whatever you like. If you want to stay, you're more than welcome. But those people that I called out, that are in unknown territory, that have seemed to give up, yeah, you please come to the front. There's no condemnation in this place. The Holy Spirit called you. He wants to restore you. <coughs> 